TCU football commit Haas Haney, Alito quarterback, will be playing for a state championship tonight against Smithson Valley. What kind of quarterback room will he walk into this spring? We'll talk about that and more next during Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. We are free and available wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you like to listen to podcasts. And it's audio variety. It is there for you. Uh, Haas Haney plays tonight in the state title game. Haas is Alito's quarterback, and um, he's he's not – I don't think he's the highest rated player in the 2024 TCU class, but I believe Ja'Kyle Baker is. But, I mean, he's the biggest name because of the position he plays, and he's a legacy, right? Like, he was originally a Duke commit. And, honestly, it was uh, the change in coordinators. As soon as Kendall Bryles came on board, that was a guy that he targeted early along with Jaden Rashada, which they missed out on him. He ends up at Arizona State. But Haas was the guy that they targeted for the 2024 class, and he quickly um, flipped his commitment to TCU and since then has been, you know, extremely loyal even with uh, the tough season that TCU had this past year, has been locked into that commitment. It's going to roll early. So I'm excited to watch him tonight. Um, if you haven't seen him play, I'd encourage you to do that. The game's going to be on Valley Sports at 7 p.m. They're playing Smithson Valley. Alito's going for their 12th state title, um, which is pretty incredible. I also saw, I think, Blake Burdine, um, Landry Burdine's son, who he's the color analyst for the TCU radio broadcast. He's, he's playing for Alito tonight as well. And good luck to him as in that family as they go for a state title. Um, but Hollis is a great player. Dual threat, incredible athlete, uh, can really run, great speed, uh, but throws the ball well too. Elite 11 finalist. I'm excited to see him play and get a chance to kind of see his skill set one more time on the high school level. What is this quarterback room going to look like when he walks in and rules early in the spring? Well, as of now, Chandler Morris is there. And, I mean, my assumption is that Chandler is sticking around because – um, he hasn't graduated yet, and um, he's going to go through the spring with the team and uh, take classes so he can graduate, and then after spring ball, we'll decide what he wants to do next. Uh, I know a lot of people have just completely given up on him being the starter, and if I had to bet right now, I would say Josh Hoover is going to be your starter in 2024 when the team takes the field against Stanford on the road. I will say this, though. To this point, haven't really heard much of anything as far as TCU targeting quarterbacks in the portal. Uh, Matthew Sluka is the only name that's really come up, the quarterback from Holy Cross who put up great numbers at the FCS level this past year. And he's got heavy interest from a lot of different schools. But that's the only name I've even really seen TCU connected to. Malik Murphy, the uh, Texas backup quarterback, he entered the portal a few days ago. And he, or on three, put out a list of teams that he's kind of interested in. TC was not on that list. Um, the, the challenge last year with, and they did go heavy after some uh, portal players last year at that quarterback position. I think a big challenge for them was getting guys on board when Chandler Morris kind of appeared to be the clear cut starter. And Tommy Fisher brought it to me a few weeks back. He was like, well, you know, when you think about it, 
Josh is actually like Josh coming into this next season has more playing experience than Chandler did going into this this past season. Like if you compared them, because going into this past year, Chandler had that performance in the Baylor game, started against Oklahoma State, then he got hurt, and then he played a half of football against Colorado, got hurt, and he was out for the rest of the year. And I mean, Hoover played six games. Now they went two and four when he was playing, but you know, I mean, we like we understand the context of that. Defense was struggling at times. Uh, the O line couldn't really protect him. He was a young QB learning his way. In my mind, the Tech game is the only game where I felt like his play was really one of the biggest factors in the loss. And those turnovers just killed them. That big turnover when they were backed up near the end zone and had a one-point lead, and that led to a Tech score was was a killer. Um, and then he threw that pick at the end of the game where I can't even remember who that was. Maybe it was JoJo Earl trying to come across the middle. But anyway, he threw that pick at the end of the game when they had gotten into plus territory and looked like maybe they were moving in there to score a touchdown that could have tied it at least uh, right there for the end regulation. And you could argue like the the pick against Texas right before half was, was really bad. But, you know, it was honestly just a, a collective team effort in the second quarter where they played really poorly that led to that loss. But Tommy's point was like, if you're trying to convince a transfer quarterback to come in here, uh, you might have more trouble this this season because, I mean, Josh technically has played more games. Now, my perspective on that is I don't think quarterbacks are really looking at how many games somebody's played. I feel like it's more just a perception thing. And the perception nationally and at least like locally was, oh, yeah, that's Chandler's job. So. I think that was a bigger factor than the guys actually like studying. Oh, this guy's got four or five starts in his career, whatever the case may be. But my overall point is I know a lot of people have just given up on Chandler Morris and I've been called, I've been called the Chandler Morris apologist because when he was really struggling kind of midway through the season, I was still like, I think this guy can figure it out. I think he can play at a high level. And he ended up getting hurt, and it didn't, really, it didn't really matter because his injury kept him out for the majority of the rest of the season. And then by the time he was healthy again, Josh had kind of um, taken the reins and looked like the dude moving forward. But if it comes down to it, and you need an experienced player behind Josh Hoover for this upcoming year to give Hoss Haney time to get accustomed to college football and uh, – get ready to play going into the next season, then I think Chandler's a really good option. And I, I think it's a good thing for the program and for the team if he's still here. Now, if he goes through spring ball and it doesn't appear to him that he's going to be able to have a chance to be the starting quarterback, will he stick around? I doubt it. Because, I mean, at that like Chandler's, Chandler's been around for a long time. He doesn't have a lot of eligibility left. And – He's got limited opportunities to be a starter. The flip side of that is, though, once you get through spring practice, a lot of these jobs are going to be taken. Like, if he doesn't enter the portal before this next semester and goes, you know, potentially goes through practice with the team, um, a lot of these opportunities are going to be filled. And so maybe the, the pitch is like, hey, the grass might not be greener. Maybe you could stick around, help the team, uh, and you know we'll give you we'll give you opportunities in fall camp to show what you can do. 
Um, some people have brought up the potential of Haas Haney starting as a true freshman. I don't think that's a great idea. I understand he's really talented. It has nothing to do with his talent level or his, or what I think he can be as a quarterback. I feel like his ceiling is really, really high. It's just difficult to be a power five starting quarterback as a true freshman. I mean, it, it just is. And I think he could really benefit from having a bridge year. Um, and, I mean, I don't really know what Josh Hoover is like. Also, I just kind of want to see what Josh can do this season. Maybe Josh Hoover ends up being the guy for the next couple of seasons. I don't know. He showed some flashes this year that would lead me to believe that that could be the case. Um, now, with Haney's athleticism and his speed and his ability to get things done in the run game, I like the idea and the possibility of having some packages for him during the season where he can make some things happen. A couple of years back, I remember um, when that when that quarterback competition was going on, it was, I mean, it was mainly between Max Duggan and Chandler Morris, but there was, Sam Jackson was there as well. And Sonny made the point multiple times to say that Sam Jackson had really impressed him and the staff. And he even went as far as to say that three quarterbacks were going to play in that Colorado game. And I think he ended up being right um, because – Chandler got hurt, and then Max came in, and then once that game kind of got out of hand, they put Sam in there to take the last few snaps of the game to prevent any other injuries. And then Sam played in the Tarleton game as well, and I feel like that was the last time that we saw him throughout the rest of the season. But uh, when all that was going on, and they were talking about the potential of, like, three QBs getting opportunities, I do remember people saying, like, hey, in practice, like, if you're if people at rap practice were saying, like, they're trying – they're installing some things for Sam Jackson – or maybe there will be a special package or some chances for him to do some things. It was primarily going to be him running the football, but, um, you know, having him involved in the offense, even I remember even there were like, there's some plays where he's lined up a wide receiver. Now, none of that really came to fruition. That didn't end up being the case, but you try out different things in the spring and in the fall. And so if, you know, if the idea is, can we use Haas in specific situations, um, where his availability is there and he can use his athleticism. I think that's great. Um, you know, coaches have to, I guess coaches still have to think about redshirting players, but honestly, like what's the point of redshirting guys at this day and time? They, if, if guys don't play quickly, they're probably going to, especially these highly rated guys, they're probably going to be upset. There's a decent chance they try to move on. Like I just, I think you have to be more worried about, okay, where's the talent? Where can we use these players? Where can we get them involved in the game plan, no matter what the case is? But I'm excited to watch Haas play tonight. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see this QB battle kind of play out, if there even is one, going into this next season. Um, and you know that they haven't been super active in the portal so far at this position. So if it comes down to it, I think Chandler Moore sticking around is not the worst thing in the world. I think it could actually be a really good thing for this team and this program. I'm sure a lot of you will disagree with me, and that's fine. I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Let me know in the YouTube comments or tweet at me, at Cox Steven. I would love to hear your perspective. You know, that's why we do the show. When we come back, uh, the Chargers had a rough night last night, and I have some thoughts about Quentin Johnston and where TCU is, and possibly I'm overreacting. But I'm concerned about the direction this is going. We'll talk about that next here on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day.
if you need tickets, TCU basketball tickets, concert tickets, tickets to a comedy show, the Game Time app is what you need to use. And uh, if you use the promo code Locked On College, you can get twenty dollars off. Download the Game Time app today. You get twenty dollars off your first purchase with that promo code Locked On College. I told you about this before. One thing I love about the Game Time app, they show you exactly what the view is from your seat. You see a picture, and it's like, okay, that's what I'm going to see. That's my view of the field or the stage, wherever the case may be, when I sit down. Um, it's super easy to use. Just a couple taps and a button, and you'll have tickets. And it goes straight to your phone. So you don't have to worry about, okay, check my email now, or, or where do I have to go? What's my password for this app? It's just it goes straight to the Game Time app. You can use it there on your phone. Locked on college is the promo code to get $20 off. They have last minute deals, flash deals. So if you didn't plan great, or if you're just someone who I'm kind of a meticulous decision maker, it's, it's tough for me to pull the trigger sometimes, especially when it comes down to money. And so oftentimes I'll I'll kind of wait on something, but then it's more expensive the longer I wait. Well, the cool thing about the game time app is they have flash deals right at the last minute. So if you're, if you're a thinker like me, if you can get in your head about things, um, then you can you can have patience, and sometimes it pays off with the Game Time app because they have those last second deals for you. Download the Game Time app today. Use the promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first order. Game Time app. It's the best place to buy tickets, and they are a proud sponsor here of the Locked On Network. So if you didn't watch Thursday Night Football last night, you didn't really miss. You did not miss a competitive game. I will tell you that. Uh, the Raiders and the Chargers. And the Raiders were coming off a performance against the Vikings where they lost three to nothing. They got shut out. They did not score any points. They dropped 63 points on the Chargers yesterday. They were aided by an offense that kept turning the ball over. But bottom line is they put up some huge numbers in that ball game. They're up like, I think they're up 42 to nothing at halftime. It was one of the most non-competitive NFL football games I've ever seen. From just start to finish, the Raiders outclass the Chargers at every level. I don't really know how Brandon Staley still has a job today, um, at least as of when I'm recording this this morning. Maybe they're just trying to get through the season, but that team's a mess. Justin Herbert's hurt. Easton Stick was in there. And uh, so it got like it got to like 28 to nothing, and I turned it off because – I have to be pretty selective, you know, with, with my with my life and my family, my kids. I have to be pretty selective outside of TCU sporting events. Um, I have to be pretty careful about how much I'm watching. Or just I have to do a good job of picking what I'm watching and taking that time and making sure that it's worth it, right? And so if it's a non-competitive football game, I'm going to move on. So I turn the game off. But, I, you know, I'm looking on Twitter and social media, and I see multiple times – or I just see really the rest of the night, a lot of TCU fans saying, get Max Duggan in the game. Like, put Max in there. How could it be worse? You're getting absolutely destroyed. Easton Stick's not getting it done. Put him in there. And I, I kind of felt conflicted about it. Obviously, I want Max to play. I want him to succeed. He's on the active roster now, which is really, really cool. At the same time, I'm like, this Chargers O-line looks awful. I don't know if it's the best situation if he gets thrown out there in the fray like that. But the main reason I turned that game on and the Chargers have become like TCU West. I got to talk with the Lockdown Chargers guys before the season. They were fantastic. They were very kind to me. I'm, I'm sorry to you guys. That it's, it's been a rough year. Darius Davis, Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston. And Max has, you know, quietly done what he's been asked to do. He's been moved up to that second string quarterback label right now because Justin's hurt. 
Uh, Darius Davis has had a really nice season as a punt returner and a kick returner. They've even got him involved in the offense a little bit. Um, there's a good chance he's going to be a pro bowler, a pro bowl starter in the AFC as a special teams guy because he's just been an ace returner, and I'm super excited for him. Quentin Johnston has had a tough year. He's had some very untimely drops, and he did have a pretty good game against the Broncos a couple weeks ago, 91 yards receiving, had one big, long catch uh, that came from Easton Stick. Keenan Allen was out last night, and so the hope was maybe – Quentin would get some more targets. Two receptions, 23 yards on three targets. Now, he did have a touchdown. He did have a late touchdown, which was good to see. And it feels like Quentin is starting to get his feet under him. Um, when he got drafted by the Chargers, I was super excited about it. Because in my mind, my first thought was like, man, Herbert's got such a strong arm. You know, QJ has that ability to go down the field and make plays. Uh, he's such a vertical threat. Like, this feels like a match made in heaven. That hasn't been the case. And, and a lot of it is there are good receivers ahead of him. I mean, Keenan Allen's there, Mike Williams. Those guys are banged up at this point. But uh, Joshua Palmer's a vet that's been around for a long time. Like, he sort of walked into a crowded wide receiver from a talent perspective. But I would say to this point it's been a disappointing season. Now he's got time to turn that around in the last few weeks, and then he'll have – an entire offseason to sort of continue to grow and develop. And it hasn't been a total wash. I mean, he's, you know, looking at his stats, 14 catches for 356 yards, two touchdowns. He's made some plays. But I am a little bit concerned. And let me know if I'm overreacting. There have been some players at TCU lately that have had success in the NFL. Steve Avila is having a nice rookie season. Um, I mentioned Darius Davis. Amari Di Mercado has done some good things. He made the roster with the Cardinals. And it's funny, too, so much of this is about expectations. Because Amari Di Mercado is an undrafted free agent. He gets signed by the Cardinals. He makes the team. Great story. And he's he's been featured some on this Cardinals team this, this season. 244 yards, had a rushing touchdown. If he was a first or second round pick, those numbers would be really disappointing. But given where he was selected and, you know, what the expectations were for him, it, you feel great for him. And – Amari did so much work to make himself a great player. It's just an amazing story. Um, but then a guy like QJ has over 400 yards receiving, or 350, what did I just say? I, I got it pulled up here. I'm sorry. Uh, 356 yards receiving, and he's a first-round pick, and you're like, man, that's disappointing. And it doesn't help that rookie wide receivers across the league are just tearing it up. Puka Nakua for the Rams, has over 1,000 yards receiving. Jordan Addison was 713. Tank Dell was 709. His season did come to an end a few weeks ago with an injury. Unfortunately, Zay Flowers, 673 yards. Rasheed Rice was 673 yards. Uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigma has 493 yards, and he's dealt with some injuries. But because Quentin's a first-round pick, there's a spotlight on him, and so far it hasn't worked out. And there has been – kind of a run of that, especially at the receiver position, like Josh Doxson with Washington. And honestly, like Josh was pretty productive when he was healthy. I think people forget that. Like it, With Josh, it wasn't so much that he was just a complete bust on the field. It was that he just wasn't available. And then he also didn't have some great moments when he was there. But overall, like he was effective when he was in the game. Uh, Jalen Rager like ends up getting drafted by the um, – by the Eagles, that didn't work. He goes to the Vikings. 
didn't work there. And then I think he's still with the Patriots as of now. But, you know, those two guys first round picks that just didn't happen. Jason Verrett has actually had like an okay career. It's just, again, the injury bug has hurt him. And so I was super hopeful for Quentin because I thought he was the type of guy, the complete package of wide receiver that could just hit the ground running. And my, my main concern is I just don't want people to use this as like a negative thing against TCU. And I feel like I'm part of this is spotlight theory, like because I'm so invested in TCU and I'm, you know, always interested in what they're doing and what former players are doing. I feel the pressure for him of like, man, he's got to, he needs to be great. You know, I don't think people across the country are like sitting around like, oh man, what's, you know, putting together like, oh, Quentin Johnston, TCU wide receiver, having a tough year. Let's look at their last few first round picks and see how they've done. But I think it would just be good for the program if if QJ can can get it going. And I hope for him, obviously, like just as like he's a great person and I want him to do well and I want him to succeed. And he did have a touchdown last night. Um, and, you know, as I said, like they've had some players have success this year as rookies. It's just tough to watch, you know, Quentin struggle when I know how hard he's working. I know how well he, he can play. And so hopefully he can get it figured out. And I don't want this to become like a narrative against TCU that they can't produce productive NFL players. Um, but also the flip side of that is like Patrick Mahomes at Tech, amazing NFL player. And honestly, like his success in the NFL has kind of been an indictment on Tech. And like, what the heck were you doing when he was there? I mean, the answer is they had no defense and they struggled to protect him. Um, but then also, it's not like that has led to just an amazing run of great quarterbacks who have come through Lubbock since he graduated. But at the same time, it's incredible PR for the school. And so I hope Quentin figures it out. And maybe he's on his way to doing it. It does feel like the last few weeks he's been more involved. And um, it's it's just been a, a rough thing for – TCU so far with guys in the NFL, but we'll see how things pick up as we continue to go throughout the season. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap things up and get some reaction from you guys. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Uh, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy app. Locked on College is a promo code. You can get a first deposit match up to $100. It's $100 of free money with that first deposit match. So you put in 20, they'll give you 20 that you can work with there on prize picks. It's simple. Um, you see stat totals for different players and you go either up or down. That's how they make you pick. So it's really easy to use. They have an app that's super easy um, and simple to navigate prize picks. It's the best daily fantasy app on the market. They have a specials tab, which allows you to make combo projections with NFL and NBA players. Prize picks use it today. They're a proud sponsor here of the lockdown network. So I talked yesterday about um, just TCU, where they're at, kind of who they're targeting. Jeremy Clark from 247 Sports had a report that they're going after Drake Dabney, Baylor tied in. Um, also had Eric McAllister on campus, who has been someone they've been targeting for a while. Boise State transfer. He transfers. He's hit the portal um, after being at Boise State for a few seasons. was super productive this past year. Shut things down a little bit early after, funny enough, Andy Avalos, who's now TCU's D.C. was let go by Boise State. And so 
Um, he's he's there, and he could reunite with Eric McAllister uh, potentially here in a few days if he decides to make that choice and commit to TCU. But I was discussing that and also like TCU's recruiting strategy because um, William chimed in and said he was just concerned about the lack of star power that TCU has on the recruiting front. Uh, they're not pulling in a lot of four- and five-star guys in this high school class. You know, the portal, they've gone a little more after, like, group of five players. And so I tried to explain kind of my perspective, and I think they're going after, you know, some more developmental projects, and they're using the portal as a way to bridge the gap to get those guys to a place where they can succeed. Um, and so William said he appreciated my perspective on that, which thanks, man. I, I think I thank you for your feedback. And, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, he mentioned Deion Sanders. Like, Deion's doing a really good job on the recruiting trail right now. Obviously, he has like a magnetism and a charisma and just a, because of his career as both an NFL and MLB player um, and being one of the most famous athletes in the world, that Sonny's not going to command that same type of aura when he walks into the room um, in Colorado. I think with all the media opportunities they have, there's probably a good amount of NIL opportunities for those players. But I really think TCU can compete in this new conference. Um I mean, obviously they can. They've, they've competed in the, in the old Big 12, and you're losing two of the kind of blue blood schools. But from a talent perspective, I think they can be right there um, with, with some of the best. Matt Clark said he always thought Dabney was underused by Baylor for the amount of talent he has. Um, he thinks they need a running back, though. He would love Cam Cooker, one of those young guys to explode on the scene, but you can't count on that. <clears throat> yeah, Drake Dabney had a big year this past year. Um, I, I still think TCU could unlock, you know, some – aspects of his game that weren't used at Baylor. And as far as the running back position goes, I agree with you. I think they need to take a flyer on somebody, whether that's a veteran running back who can kind of just be a change of pace or um, someone who can push for that starting job. Because I like Cam Cook as well. I'm just not sure he's ready to step in day one and be a starter. But we'll see. Tommy Fisher said, I think as time goes on, high school recruiting is less and less important. Um, he's He says 30 to 40% of the high school class won't make it to year two recruiting the portal is probably more important for TCU right now because uh, they're bringing in proven guys and a lot of these four and five star kids might not make it. Yeah, I totally see your point. I mean, I think high school recruiting is still important, but it's definitely not what it was even five or 10 years ago. Um, And TCU might end up being a school that just has to go heavy in the portal in some ways, not to build their roster, but just to, okay, what are, are, where are the places where we need somebody to come in and contribute right away? Let's go get somebody out of the portal who has game experience who can do that. And then, you know, while we're doing that, we're also trying to bring in high school kids that are talented and that we can develop and get to a place where they can play at a high level. Um, We'll be back on Monday. This is Locked on Horned Frogs. Appreciate you guys chiming in and listening to the show or watching it. It's your team, and we do it here every day. We're free and available wherever it is you get your podcast.